Well, hopefully you're still in Luke 8 where Corey had read. A section that is the conclusion of four particular episodes, the last two episodes of a four-episode journey that Luke puts together in the life of Jesus to bring us to the conclusion that we would sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior we have. As the Lord deals, or Luke records the Lord dealing with the forces of nature stilling the storm, saving the disciples from danger, then the demoniac, the man possessed by many demons in the Gentile country of the Gerasenes, and Jesus conquered the demonic spirit world. Now today we'll come and we'll see Jesus dealing with disease and with death over which he is Lord of all and Master. And the two sermons, which have two episodes each, were similar in the fact that there's embedded within the first story a second story. Last week we saw that uh, Jesus and the disciples on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, the west shore, uh, got in the boat and took off to the uh, land across on the other side. And on the way, the storm came. And Jesus dealt with the forces of nature, with that storm, stilled it to show the disciples that he was uh, sovereign over even the wind and the waves. And then he went and finished what he had set out to do at the beginning. Here, they come back onto the other side, back to uh, Galilee. A crowd is waiting, and also waiting is Jairus, a synagogue ruler, whose daughter is dying, as we've read. And so they take off to Jairus' house to deal with the sick daughter, And on the way, a woman stops the procession. Jesus deals with the woman, and then he goes on to do the first task that he had uh, planned on doing. So Luke has tied them together uh, in this way. Also, uh, he, he calls both the woman who is healed and the daughter, uh, daughter. He calls them both daughter. Tying the two stories together. And they both have something to do with 12 years. One's 12 years of life. One is 12 years of uh, sickness. And so these stories are linked together as Luke has put them together. And his point is, Jesus is our Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior we have. We can trust our Savior in desperation. And we can trust our Savior even to the point of death. So before we look at these, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, as we journey through. Father, as we come before you, we confess to you, we live our lives so often in haste. We take, uh, we take for granted at times your blessings. We live in expectation that you will take care of us as we go about our business. We pray that you would help us to stop this morning. And behold our God. Behold our God as he is walking the dusty streets, sailing on the sea, here on earth, fulfilling his mission 
and we might behold our God seated at the throne, your right hand, Father. Our Lord Jesus, exalted as our conquering master. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to get a, 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 a fresh glimpse, maybe a glimpse of things we've already known, but a reminder of, the, uh, of what we know of Christ, what we uh, have experienced in your grace. That your mercy is more than we could ever deserve or even expect. We thank you for this woman, this sick woman at the end of her rope. And by faith coming to you, we thank you for this synagogue ruler who trusted our Lord Jesus to take care of his daughter's life. We thank you that you yourself have preserved these events for us, that you might be glorified and we might be edified. Lord, I pray that uh, these stories that are known by many are not just common stories this morning as you reveal yourself to us, as you expose our own selves. And then we see Jesus, our Savior, our only hope. And it's in his name that we come to you this morning and pray. Amen. So the story, uh, uh, as I, I, I sent out an outline, I don't have it there. I have a three-point outline. That's the way preachers are supposed to do their sermons, you know, with three points. And I don't have any poems, uh, uh, but, but I do have three points. Uh, we'll begin with the trial of faith that begins according to uh, Jairus' trial of faith. Uh, then that trial of faith is interrupted by a touch of faith by the woman. And then Jesus continues on and completes the trial of faith as, we, as the story unfolds. But they're welcomed back. Uh, they, remember, they go to the other shore. They cast out the demons out of legion. They come back across uh, the lake. They've been asked to leave uh, if... if Ask is probably a very passive way of how it was that uh, they ended up leaving. They were asked to leave the area because they were scared of what had happened with this demoniac. And Jesus had sent him back to his everyone to tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And so they're welcomed back, verse 40, uh, they return and the crowd has welcomed them. And in that crowd... Uh, is Jairus, a synagogue uh, ruler. Uh, Jesus, they, ask, they, they essentially demand him to leave their area when they, before they come back, and there's no, no protest. No, I mean, you know, if, if, uh, if I'd have been part of the mission that uh, brought uh, new life to this demoniac and then asked to leave you, I probably would have said, well, wait a minute, what? <laughs> let's continue the crusade. But Jesus gives no protest. He just hops in uh, the boat and they come back, knowing that he's got two appointments waiting for him as he gets there. And we sang, uh, the, I think it's the third verse of I Know Whom, I have believed that I know not 
how the Spirit moves, convicting men of sin, revealing through the Word and creating faith within the mystery of the providence of God. We'll see it all through these stories, through these happenings. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me and accomplish his work. So here he is. He's back among those welcoming welcoming him as Jairus, the synagogue ruler. That's ironic to me because the the, uh, ruling caste of the Jewish faith were not enamored with Jesus. He had not um, made himself... Uh, uh, very loving towards them as he dealt with their false teaching and their uh, harsh responses to his work. Uh, And yet this synagogue ruler uh, knows or comes to Jesus in faith, uh, pleads for Jesus, verse 41, to come to his house. He falls at Jesus' feet, pleads with him, his 12-year-old daughter, His only daughter is dying. And implied is the fact that he believes that, or he has faith that Jesus can heal his daughter. And so there's the first three verses through verse 42 until we get to the second half of verse 42 as Jesus went. It just have that new sentence in verse 42 as Jesus went. So the synagogue of Jairus comes, falls at his feet, pleads with them to deal with his 12-year-old daughter, and no big deal, Luke, the way Luke records it, Jesus went. And so they're on their way. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So this trial of faith in Jairus is interrupted by verse 43, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood. And so we're interrupting the story of Jairus and his dying daughter with this second story of a woman who is, uh, has a discharge of blood, and she's had this discharge of blood for 12 years. I had to think about this, you know. Don't you just hate to be interrupted when you're on an important business? on your way to something that really you need to be there, the people where you're going need you there, or you need to accomplish something, and then there's some kind of an interruption, you know, all kinds of interruptions. Uh, You know, we're all on our way to something important, right? I'll never forget, I was minding my own business, listening to talk radio or something, and a commercial comes on, and... This guy says something to the effect that if you feel like you're always in a hurry, you probably have a bad case of self-importance. Thinking that um, if you don't get to where you're going, something's not going to get taken care of. You are so very important to be there. Um, That was very convicting to me. Um, We're all on our way to something important and and very, very true in, in your life. I mean, our lives have purpose. Our lives have meaning. God has a purpose for our lives as we're in Christ. But we don't need to forget about people on the way. And the Lord Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, but he's going to stop and deal with this woman here. We have to reach people one day, one person at a time, you know. not We look past the crowds into the lives of people as we go about our business. So, there was a woman who had a discharge, verse 43, of blood for 12 years, and though she'd spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So there is her plight. Jesus goes goes on his way. Uh, The people are pressing about him. That word pressing is an interesting word. It's the same word that we saw in the parable of the soils when the seed is cast On the side of the road, the weeds grow up and choke out the life of the faith of the one who is uh, overtaken by the pleasures and the riches uh, and the cares of this world. 
So the crowd is almost choking in on the people. They're just pressing. This woman had no hope. She had nowhere else to turn. She'd been sick for 12 years, uh, rendered, if you will, perpetually unclean in her society, Uh, isolated, no personal contact, no normal social contact. You sit in a chair, she said, in your ceremonially unclean and have to go through the whole process of the Mosaic Law to get uh, to uh, become clean. Uh, she'd never have been invited for dinner. That would have put everybody at risk. Uh, few would come visit her. Uh, the synagogue was off limits, and remember the synagogue was not just where they went to church, it's where the court system was, it's where the education center was, it's where it was the center of fellowship. So she is a social outcast. She's no better off than the demoniac who is out in the cemetery running around unclothed in the desert, socially, emotionally. Even religiously, she's no better off than he is. He was. She spent everything, on all of her money on her doctors. Luke will mention that. What Luke doesn't mention that Mark mentions is not only did she spend everything on the doctors, but she was no better off, Mark says, she got worse. Luke didn't mention that. He forgot that. You know Luke is a doctor, right? (laughs) That's convenient, but the Lord knows, right? Uh, um, But she spent it all. She's gotten worse. Uh, Doctoring in those days were probably a mixture of uh, quacks and superstitions along with some natural cures, natural... um, Uh, remedies, but she's living outside the bounds of society, and that leads her to a willingness to do something that was certainly socially unacceptable. To sneak up, notice she, in verse 44, she came up behind him. She didn't just walk up to him like Jairus and plop herself down in front of Jesus, no, she came up behind him, touched the, frim, the, the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And then she kind of slinks back into the crowd again, hoping not to be noticed at all. Hmm. This day, as Jesus is there, she's close. The opportunity presents itself. In the crush of the crowd, desperation takes over. She believes she could slip up and then uh, retreat, touch his robe and then retreat unnoticed. Uh, In um, either Mark or Matthew, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be saved. I'll be made well. Uh, What will... What I'll mention here is when you see made well, it's the same word in the Gospels as saved. Okay, so it's not necessarily spiritual salvation, but it is in these two cases because they have faith in Jesus. But if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. So she and Jairus both believed a touch. Uh would tap in, apparently, a a tap into this power that Jesus has. In chapter 6, as Jesus is named as 12 apostles up on the mountain, and they come down, and he, Luke records the sermon on the plain there. In verse 19 in chapter 6, as they come down off the mountain, Many came and were healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Then verse 19, all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And so uh, there's that sense in which if we could just get a touch from Christ, things will be okay. We... uh, 
I will be made well. My daughter will be made well. Jairus and this woman both had faith that Christ was able to heal their maladies. And so that's what she did. She went and touched his garment. Verse 48, when Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. She touched his garment, his robe, by faith. Uh, Small faith, immature faith, yes. Probably. Selfishly motivated, did she want to just get well? Maybe. But that's not the way the Lord Jesus recognized her faith. Her faith was hidden from the crowd. But yet it was deep enough that immediately, right? Immediately her discharge of blood ceased. As immediate as the winds and the waves were stilled by the voice of Jesus, this woman was healed simply by touching his robe, his garment. Her faith is hidden. She tries to slip away, and then Jesus stops and asks, who touched me? Think about the woman. She touches him, and she realizes she's been healed like that. And the joy and the gratitude And then she hears these words. As she slinks back into the crowd, she hears, who touched me? And she knows that she's going to be found out. She realizes she's not going to, her incognito faith is not going to stay uh, that way. Joy is probably turned to panic at the prospect of being found out. Uh, Peter tries to help her (laughs) unknowingly. He tries to help her, and he tries to also help Jairus, as we'll see. When he says, Master, (laughs) he says, the crowd surrounds you and you are pressing pressing in on you. How can anybody know who touched you? Who knows who touched you? Everyone's touching you. We need to go on to Jairus's house. We got, we got business down the road here. Um, so uh, as, as we're going through this, thinking about this situation, and now Jesus has stopped and said, wait a minute, who touched me? And Peter says, you know, what is Jairus thinking? <laughs> The crowd's impeding our progress. Jesus takes time out for this woman. But my daughter's dying. You know, we're liable to be here a while. Let's hope this woman is not a woman of many words. We can get this business done and go on. I hope she's healed, but, you know, we are... uh, Dale Ralph Davis says, Jesus never seems to be in a hurry. I mean, we can learn something there, can't we? He accepts the intrusion. For the moment, Jairus' daughter has to be put on hold as he deals with this situation. Verse 46, look at verse 46. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. He knew one of the touches of the many touches was filled with faith, the faith of this woman. And power had gone out from him. Not like, you know, uh, like a battery that's discharged. Of course, his, his power is constant and eternal and uh, never ending. And how all of that works don't know. But he knew. He knew it had happened. 
we think about it, her faith is not the basic cause, right? The basic cause of her healing is the means through which God pours his grace into her to heal her. Just as we're not saved by our faith, we're saved by God's grace through our faith, using our faith as the means, the channel through which he pours his grace into us. Verse 47, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she's not going to be able to stay anonymous. She came trembling and falling down before him. Expecting the worst, she comes and trembles to the feet of Jesus. In fact, Jesus' question was most likely meant to force her to come forward publicly or to bring her forward. That was the real test of her faith. Would she come and answer his question, confess the fact that she was the one who touched him when nobody else would? No one answered. And so she comes forward. Look what she declares in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. She confessed that she was the one who had done it and then gave a powerful testimony of the power of Christ. She did it in the presence of all. Told why she touched him. You can we'll take the story and you know, I've been in this predicament for 12 years. Doctors couldn't help, spend all my money. I lived in isolation. I'm no better. I'm worse off than I was when I started. No one wanted to be near me so because they would become unclean, and that's why I came. And then she tells how she was immediately healed. The moment I touched his robe, I was healed. You know, be careful, but the last time I saw something, and I can't even remember where I saw it, of, of a healing, a woman in a wheelchair was brought up to the stage, and preacher healed her. And she said something like, man, I feel a little bit better. And then it was probably an expose, you know, one of those things. And so at the end of the service, you see her leaving in her wheelchair, no different than when she came. Quackery, right? Immediately when I touched his robe, I was healed from a 12-year malady. That's the power of Christ. When Christ heals, he heals. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That one word, daughter. This is the only place Jesus says to someone, a woman, daughter. Only place that we have recorded where he says to this woman who's, of course, no, no father around anywhere, but he calls her daughter. That sets her at peace. Her fears are dispelled Jesus, by Jesus' tender kindness. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus is making sure that everyone knew it had nothing to do with his robe or touching his body, that it was through her faith that the healing came to her. Jesus looks past her superstition. If she had any, her uh, impure motives. But she had faith in his power to save and he honored it. Just essentially to her. You came, I was uh, believing, I was the only answer. Your faith 
was the means by which I poured out my grace upon you. She came totally convinced in the sufficiency of Christ. And she left in peace. Restored to her family. Restored to her church, her synagogue. Restored to her neighbors, restored to her friends and society. And more importantly, restored to God through her faith in the Lord Jesus. So now we can go on. The trial of faith is continued uh, and it will be completed. Verse 49, you know, with this interruption concluded, again, get into Jairus's head. We can't. We have to do some imagining and we can't be sure what Jairus is thinking. But he's probably breathing easier now that they're done with this woman and they start on their journey again. You know, we have a picture here of a, 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 a bleeding woman. We have a dying 12-year-old daughter. And we have an anxious dad, uh, Jairus. J.C. Ryle points out, this is just a picture of life. This is a picture of life on the earth since the fall. He says it's patterns that are continually going on, constantly happening in the world, evils that God didn't create at the beginning, but were brought on by the fall. Would have been no sorrow, would have been no sickness. Uh, there had been no sin, had there been no sin. But Jairus uh, has this anxious concern for his daughter, breathing a little easier as they start their journey again, now he's going to, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, I, I, I don't know um, uh, if there could have been a better way to deliver the news. Uh, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Now, I, I gave an inflection, right? I, I gave kind of, you get kind of, we don't know that that's how he brought the news. But the news comes as he says, Finally, we're going. Come on, let's go. And he gets the new. Oh, sorry, your daughter's dead. Don't, Jesus, you don't need to bother. You don't need to bother the teacher anymore. No one can do anything now. Hope is gone. Uh, just come on home, Jairus. Jairus, we have a funeral to plan. And then verse 50, Jesus, on hearing this, answered, do not fear, only believe she will be well. Don't be anxious. Just believe. Oh, wait. Your daughter's dead. Don't worry. Just believe she'll be well. You know, it was a matter of time, but the time ran out. But Jesus is going to be concerned. Jesus is concerned about the faith of Jairus. In 1 Peter, we are uh, kept by the power of God. We're saved by God, kept by the power of God. But sometimes it's necessary that we're tested by trials to keep that faith alive. God is going, because that's the channel through which he pours grace out upon us, our faith. And so he will do whatever it takes. If you need a trial in your life to maintain your faith in God, he'll bring a trial in your life. He knows what you need. He knows what Jairus needs to maintain that faith. I mean, think about this. Your daughter's dead. <laughs> Was he? Your daughter's dead. Oh, uh, look, don't worry, Jairus. Just believe she'll get well. I mean, you know, it would have been easy to just turn and walk away, right? She's dead. 
But Jesus is very concerned about continuing uh, the continued faith of Jairus. He's confident uh, that Jesus could heal his daughter, but what now? The daughter has passed away. So he gives this final word of exhortation. You came in faith, Jairus, hold on to that faith. And let's go, trust me. And so you can imagine, again, Jairus trying to process this. It's like Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, you know, when her brothers died. Jesus, if you'd, if you'd have just come a little earlier, you could have saved him. And uh, so <laughs> Jesus answers them. I'm in John 11. You don't have to turn there. 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She says, I know, I know, I know he'll rise again on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus challenges the girl's faith uh, there. And then he says, before he raises Lazarus, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. This is, Jesus is going to maintain, try to help Jair, not try, he's going to make sure Jairus' faith stays alive. And if you read verse 50, but Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, so, so the news comes, Apparently close to right after he deals with the woman. The news comes. Jesus says, believe. And then they go to the house. It would have been an interesting conversation, would it have not, to have gone from just believe, Jairus, until they got to the house. What was that like with this group going to? What are we going there for? I mean, you know, in one sense, after this girl dies, there's, there's no hope. But Jairus needed to continue to believe. He needed to maintain, Christ needed to maintain that faith in Jairus. His means of grace. Here's, Here's just a note right here. If he had given up his faith, Jesus would not have continued. He would have just turned away. And here's a note. Don't let the sovereignty of God do away with your responsibility. Jairus' response of continued faith was part of God's providence. God is ruling and governing everything that comes to pass to make his purpose known but he uses means to accomplish his purpose. It's through Jairus' faith that he is going to raise this daughter. So he does all that's needed to maintain that means of grace in the life of Jairus. I mean, this is mystery, right? We don't know how all this works out, how God is at work. Sometimes it's easy to see it on the back end after the fact, but in the midst, it's hard to see the invisible hand of God working in his providence. Verse 51, uh, Jesus takes in Peter and James and John and mom and dad. Uh, Jairus had to... uh, uh, Verse 52, and all were weeping and mourning for her. So the professional mourners are in their place. They're uh, wailing away, which was what they would do. Um, And Jesus stops their mourning as he continues. 
don't weep, do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. Kind of the same language he used with Lazarus, right? Lazarus is asleep. Later on he says Lazarus is dead, just using that picture of death as sleep. But we know they're really not genuinely mourning. Look at verse 53. Verse 52, all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him. Just at the turn of, at the drop of a hat, they go from weeping to laughing. Their weeping's not genuine. They're professional mourners. That's their job. And so now they're, they're laughing and they're mocking Jesus in the sense that we are professional mourners. We know dead. And this girl is not taking a nap. She is not sleeping. She is D-E-A-D. She's dead. You don't really know, Jesus. We know. But it actually proves that she's dead. If anyone knows what death is about, they did. But these mockers also become obstacles to Jairus' faith. Jairus has to make a choice now. Is he going to ignore the mockers and... uh, trust in Christ to do what is impossible, at least humanly speaking. And so Jesus dismisses them. Verse 54, taking her by the hand, he called saying, child, arise. Just like you'd call your children, get up, it's time for breakfast. Something to that effect. It's not a, I I don't know how he said it, but it's time to get up takes her by the hand. Dale Ruff Davis says, Jesus reaches across the chasm of death and conquers it as he brings us back to life. Jesus said, I have the keys of death and Hades. And an interesting way that Luke records it in 55, and her spirit returned. Her spirit had left, left her body at death. The Lord of life recalled it from the invisible realm and reunites her spirit with her body. And she got up at once. That word at once is the same word as we've seen already twice, immediately. Luke is writing in this story something like Mark. Mark uses the word immediately. I forget how many times, just constantly, immediately this happened, immediately that happened, immediately. Well, this is immediacy is in this story here. Uh, that uh, Luke records. But imagine the little girl's testimony now. As you can imagine, the uh, son, uh, the widow at Nain, who was raised from the dead, Lazarus, of course. You can imagine the testimony. I was sick. Then I died. I was called back. I grew up. We don't know really what happened to her, but she grew up. And However long she lived, she died again. Uh, My parents couldn't believe it. Her spirit returned. She got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. She's been telling that testimony in heaven for 2,000 years. Hmm. We'll get to talk to her one day, I guess. Let her tell it to us. And then Jesus says, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Remember the ex-demoniac when he cast them out wants to go with him. He says, no, you go back and you tell your family. And he goes back and tells the whole city, the whole area, what Jesus had done for him. Because Jesus told him to. Here, he says, Jairus, y'all just keep this to yourself. Can't be sure. Here's what I think is the reason. In the Gentile land, there's no real um, 
expectation of establishing a kingdom on earth. The Jews have this expectation of their Messiah to establish a kingdom on earth. And Jesus says, my time is not yet. You'll see that he says that, in particular in the book of John, on his way to Jerusalem, even in the last week, my time is not yet. Don't go, just keep this to yourself. Don't make a spectacle. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the grace of God. And be thankful to him for what's happened in your life. So in this, these stories, in this whole, I would go all four of them, but in particular here uh, at Jairus' house, Jesus shows he has the power over death. Um, death doesn't, no longer has the last word, and he's not even died and been raised yet, but he, has, he shows that he has conquered he has the power over death. Um, the time of resurrection hasn't come yet, but it will. This is not a resurrection, of course. This is a resuscitation of which she dies and everyone that Jesus raises, the three that he raises from the dead, they died also. Um, don't trouble the teacher anymore is proven to be bad advice. Don't ever stop troubling the teacher. Right? He wants to hear all your cares and concern. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And Luke is just showing that Jesus also may seem severe when he's doing us much good. I mean, just he exposes the bleeding woman to public embarrassment, what she did not want. Uh, but his intent was nothing but gracious. He wanted to make her faith clear he wanted to personally assure her as he did and let the world know, let the crowd know that he had healed her. Um, and then by delaying, dealing with her, Jesus set Jairus up for terrible disappointment. All he had to hang on to was only believe. And so what we learn here, we see how that ended up. What we learn here is uh, the, the severity of God may only be a prelude to his goodness. I, uh, God moves in mysterious way as wonders to perform. William Cooper's... Uh, him, he says, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. The providence of God might seem like a frown, that God has forsaken you, he has departed from you, but he is working his purpose out. If you're a believer, he is working out his purposes to make you like his dear son. And then Jesus tends to reveal himself to us more and more as we go along. Jairus' faith and humility are evident in the beginning. As he receives news that his daughter died, Jesus calls him to a deeper step of faith, to continue to believe. You trusted me in the urgent, can you trust me now when it's hopeless? You thought I was adequate to heal your daughter. What about now that she's died? Can you believe I am sufficient even for this? No promise. No promise to us that our sickness will be 
uh, removed. No promise that we're going to receive loved ones back after their death, but the Lord Jesus deals with it all for his glory and for our good. Can you trust that? That's his question to Jairus. He's always more than we can imagine. So we sing, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. So, behold the kindness and the severity of God. They're working out His purpose in all of our lives. Hallelujah, what a Savior we have. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You We thank you that though we are called to believe, to grow by your Spirit according to your Word in our faith, that you work out your purposes. And those purposes will never fail. Your promises will always be fulfilled. Father, we don't understand how it is that you're doing these things. We believe and we thank you for this story that shows you will help us in our unbelief. Lord, the promise that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. I pray that you would etch that promise on the heart of every person here this morning who is yet to believe in Jesus as Master, Lord, and Savior. Father, that you would convince them as you've convinced so many others that Jesus Christ will save all who come to Him by faith. Thank You for revealing Yourself to us through Your Word and in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'll stand, we'll be dismissed with a benediction. May the companionship of the man of sorrows and the power of the King of glory rest upon you this day and all your days. Amen.